Welcome to our podcast from the Episcopal Diocese of Central Pennsylvania as we explore the way of love, practices for a Jesus-centered life. I'm Audrey Scanlon, the Bishop of Central Pennsylvania, and it's my privilege to interview people from around our region on how they're practicing and living into the way of love. The seven practices of the way of love are to turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. Today we have Marsha Roscoe, who's joining us to talk about the practice of prayer and how it's drawn her closer to Jesus. So welcome, Marsha. Good morning, and thank you. It's a joy to be here. Well, we're really glad to have you here. Introduce yourself, if you would, for our listeners. Sure. I serve on the local Lutheran bishop staff here in Lower Susquehanna Synod, and my primary roles are to focus on mission, spiritual formation, and communications. I'm also a spiritual director and blessed to be on the staff of the Stevenson School for Ministry. Yay. Well, Marcia, when I was thinking about the seven practices and people in our diocese and people that we work with that I could talk to, you came to mind immediately for the practice of prayer. Do you have any idea why you think the Holy Spirit delivered your name to me when I started thinking about people that I might talk to about prayer? I would like to trust that the Holy Spirit is that relational being that calls us together and gathers us together. And it is the Holy Spirit that really embodies our ability to be in relationship. And it is the relationship that I think that we have developed as Lutheran Episcopals in this area that has called us together this morning. We have been working more and more together collaboratively, and so I believe that it is the power of relationship that brought me here this morning. That's great. Well, we really value the, the relationship that we have with the Lutherans in our area and, and the relationship that continues to build. It's really exciting. It is. The seven practices of the way of love, they're not really new, but they've just been packaged for us into something that we sometimes call a rule of life. And so I'm wondering if you have had before a rule of life or if this is something new to you. You know, I always have had a rule of life, but the truth is I've cheated because I just use Jesus' model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus has this beautiful spiritual rhythm of spending time alone with God in the evening, getting up in the morning, spending time with the disciples, and then going out into the world. And so I really try to model my life in that same spiritual rhythm. And there are times that I do that better than others. And, and to do that, I'm able to incorporate these practices of the way of love. I mean, if you look at your t- alone time with God and you think about self-examination and reflection, those are opportunities to turn and to learn and to pray. And then, you know, how do you gather with the disciples and your, your fellow peers in ministry and be strengthened for the sake of the body of Christ? And so it's great to do that with Lutherans, Episcopals, and, and Christians alike. And then to go out into the world and to serve, to go. And so really, my I was I was... Joyful to hear how my role of life already really embodied the way of love as as these practices. That's great. So it sounds like you have some good, solid experience with each of the practices. I'm wondering, of the seven, and 
And I love that there are seven. You know, when they originally planned the way of love, uh, there were six practices that the, the team of developers brought to Bishop Curry, and he took a look at, at what they had produced for him, and he said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> he said, let's think about the days of creation and what Scripture shows us. Right. And he said, there were six days in which God created, but what happened? On the seventh day, God rested. And so that's actually how they built the way of love into a seven-practice model. But of those seven practices, I'm wondering, are some more natural for you and are some more challenging? Interesting you should ask that after explaining that there are seven practices and the seventh one was rest because that's the one I struggle with the most. Huh. Yeah, um, it's, I'm a high-energy person, as you I think you know, and it's easy for me to do all most of the other practices to learn and to grow and to go and to worship and to bless and to pray, but boy, that resting, to stop, mm-hmm. you know, and to somehow recognize that all right, I I'm only able to do what I do out of God's power and God's strength. That if I don't take time to stop and to be refueled, um, that Sabbath rest is really critical for me. But it's definitely the one that I struggle with the most. Is there a way that you have um, set up some boundaries for yourself? I mean, as clergy people, we talk a lot about self-care and about setting boundaries, but I think it's challenging for us to find that time that we really can do some deep rest for for uh, the purposes of not just relaxation, but restoration. So how, how have you set up some boundaries, or how are you trying to, if that's the challenging one? Right, absolutely. So first of all, I have a spiritual director that holds me accountable, um, lovingly and sometimes painfully. <laughs> Truthfully, it's that, it's that way. But I try to do a half a day a week in prayer, one day a month, and then one to two full weeks away a year. It doesn't always work out that way. It might not be two solid weeks back to back. But to say, if I can't give 14 days away without turning everything off and turning the noise off, then I'm really trying to do what God does and and not recognizing that I have finite limitations. And those are times to remind me that God is infinite. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And so it is in those times that I'm able to be reminded of my finite limitations and be reminded of the promises that we have in God and, and to minister and to work and to bless from those places. Yeah, good. What about the ones that are like falling off a log for you? What what come most naturally to you? Oh, practices? Wow. The learn. I, I love mm-hmm. to learn. I mean, and, and especially in the way of love, the way that we understand learn is to tell and to retell these biblical stories. That's my life's call. I mean, from spiritual formation to missional outreach, we, we need to understand God's narrative and to be grounded in that. So that, that's the place where we orient ourselves to God. And so learning is deep and it's, it's really core to who I am. The praying is what allows me to empty myself of much less of me and to minister from a place of who God is and who I'm not. And so the worship piece is integral in all of that because that's the communal aspect of coming together and recognizing that we all fall short of the glory of God, but we are reminded of God's promises and then sent out into the world to go. And so blessing is integrated through through all of that. So, yeah. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about prayer, which is why I asked you to come and speak with us today. Uh, Prayer is something that, as clergy, we teach to people. It's something that we need to do ourselves. When I was in seminary, I remember um, one of our professors gave a sermon, which was shocking to me, because I don't know how he got this statistic, but in his sermon, he said that 80% 
of people who serve in clerical roles don't have a regular practice of prayer, which was shocking to me. So I'm wondering um, if you would speak to us either about your own personal pattern of prayer um, or and uh, how it is that you're working with us through the Stevenson School to, to help us uh, develop our own practices. Sure. In, I think one of the things that we recognize locally on the Lutheran territory as well is that that's the case. Seminary just can't possibly equip our leaders to do it all. And so I think there's this inherent assumption that leaders that come to seminary or want to go into ministry have the ability to do this. And so we are really committed as a Lutheran Synod, as a Stevenson School for Ministry, to recognize that we are lifelong learners and that prayer is a way for us to listen to God. And, and if we don't do that, that, then we are filling ourselves up with the competing messages of the world. And so what we are trying to do and what I try to do is be very intentional with what are the ways that we stop and listen to God, hear God, and respond to that. And as we look at our ministries, it is so important for us to always keep in focus God's agenda. And I think too often we take our eyes off of Jesus and think it's more about growing the numbers rather than our call to feed the sheep. And it's not just a physical hunger, but it's a spiritual hunger. And everywhere that we go, we find that people are just so thirsty to encounter God. And prayer is a way that we encounter God. And it, and prayer comes in so many different forms. It doesn't just have to be corporate prayer or prayers of words, but even when you look through the scriptures and you see how Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed alone, Jesus prayed in small groups, Jesus prayed in community, Jesus prayed on the move, at meals, in creation, it's everywhere. So we can argue, well, life is a prayer. At the same time, it's the intentionality of showing up to life in the moment to catch the moments of grace and hear God and listen and respond. The point of prayer is never for the sake of ourselves, but it's always for the sake of the good and the whole. And so there's that accountability of, of what is our call and how do we respond to that. And so prayer has implications for our thoughts, our actions, our ministries, our budgets. That's why I'm passionate about it. You know, it's spiritual practices orient our agenda to God's agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other thing for me as, as a deacon day in and day out, who as a spiritual director— my spiritual director holds me accountable to the ways that Jesus prays. And also, when I'm anxiety-ridden, I'll be asked, are these the things that Jesus is, is anxious about? Are these the things that Jesus cares about? And so it's always prayer always calls us back to God and what's most important to God. And sometimes we lose sight of that because the communities in which we live, the communities in which we serve matter. And so when there's opposing views, it's hard to stay centered in that. But one of the things that, that I try to keep others grounded in, and myself, is that there is nowhere the gospel goes that there's not opposition. Nowhere. So where are we returning to to be reminded of what's most important and to be filled up with clarity of purpose and clarity of the messages that God gives us that, that need to have more important weight in our lives than the world? And it's so easy to forget. You know, when I talk about prayer with congregations, I remind them that in our catechism, in the back of our prayer book, which I don't think very many people look at, uh, it, it tells us that prayer is a response to God, that often we think that we need to make time to sit down, to get in a quiet place, to turn off the radio and, and open our hearts to God. But the truth is that 
prayer is really a response to God's activity in the world, God being in our presence all the time. And so it's not something that we necessarily initiate as much as it's our response to what God's already doing. I also remember that years ago I sat with my spiritual director and complained to him that I didn't have any time to pray. I said, you know, I've, I've just, I'm so excited because I've just started, um, this was about 20 years ago, I said, I've just started playing the cello. I said, and every morning I am determined to practice the cello for at least a half an hour before I go to work. But that has squeezed out my time for prayer. And I was just, I couldn't figure out how to make my schedule work that I could do both things. And God bless him. He looked at me and he said, have you ever thought that maybe your cello practice is your prayer? That's a great for right now. <laughs> That's absolutely right. So I'm wondering, what are some of the different ways that you pray uh, that might not look like what we think of when we talk about prayer? Right. Well, yeah, and let me just reiterate, that is such a beautiful response and an appropriate response because any form of prayer that helps you be attentive to God is prayer. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, music transcends words. And so to be inspired and to be, to be moved beyond yourself, that's prayer. So any existential experience really can be encountering with the holy when you're aware that that's what it is. And so to be able to give thanks to God for that gift of, of music and that skill is definitely a form of prayer. Um, prayer for me is often looking at those areas in my life that are not like God. And so a very pivotal part of my role of life is the examine. The daily examine, you can go really deep or, you know, you can stay at the surface if you need to, but it, it helps me examine the relationships in my life, my thoughts, my, my motivators, my fears. What are my obstacles that are getting, you know, in the way with God and my relationship with others? And that's been really paramount, and that really is something that happens every night. That's my way of embodying the alone time with God. Um, but when you talk about communal prayer, um, there's a story that I just want to share. In my first call, six months into my call, the, the pastor was arrested. And so there I was, you know, fresh into ministry, first call. And I saw the power of prayer in when the community prayed for me in ways that I would have never asked for. Right. And I saw God at work in those encounters and really understood the, the power of community when I really saw my role, you know, as here I am, newly out of seminary mm -hmm. and, and serving this congregation to shepherd them. And I didn't ask for the prayers, but God sent them and oriented them to recognize that I needed that strength too. And it was a really humbling experience to realize that you're not just the chief prayer. <laughs> and that was, you know, you have to get rid of your ego. But here was this community that God had called me to that loved God and me so much that they returned that prayer. And it's just not something I expected. So uh, the, the power of prayer comes in the big crisis experiences it also comes in the day-to-day, -day, but it's, it's noticing. It's noticing God at work, I and mean, that's really what, what prayer is. I had a, uh, a woman who came and taught us once about centering prayer in a, in a workshop, and she said, you know, so centering prayer is really just sitting for 20 minutes or more a day and, and trying to just watch your breath and watch ideas come and go and, and just be present. And we practiced that with her over the course of the weekend. But she said the benefit of that prayer is what happens later. 
It's not in those 20 minutes or half hour or whatever time you put into it. It's, it's in the balance of your day. It's in the balance of your week and, and how you live out your life and relationship that the fruit of that prayer is really born. Yes. Uh, which I've seen again and again. Right. And they say 98% of our thoughts are the same repetitive monkey mind. Yes. And that if you don't create the opportunity for a gap, for new thoughts to come in, then you're going to keep in that same repetitive motion. And so centering prayer, any, any time of just real emptying, allows for those new thoughts to emerge. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, Marsha, if um, Jesus walked into my office right now, <laughs> what would you tell him about prayer? Or uh, what would you tell him about the way of love? I would first thank him. I would thank him for the gift of spiritual practices that orient us to God and that the way of love, again, I would lift up in gratitude as ways to move from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. And and that we can look at disciplines as law-abiding or life-giving. And I would thank Jesus that that I recognize the life-giving aspect of these these spiritual practices and also just thank him for my, my sense of call to help people understand what they are and to and to help the way of love become a way of life. That's great. Well, maybe he will drop by later. We'll see. Marcia, thank you so much for being with us and, and sharing your practices and your time. And, and I so value the relationship that we're building with you and with the whole Synod uh, as we continue to explore. I'd like to offer a prayer in closing. Our Episcopal Church has put together a whole set of prayers of the people all about the way of love, and this is the petition for the one on prayer. Son of God, you responded to your Father in prayer and pleaded that we might all be one. Guide us to respond to God and to one another in compassion, in thought and deed, with or without words that we might live in unity and peace. We pray, Jesus, guide us in your way, the way of love. Amen. Amen.